Well, today you were supposed to hear from candidate for governor and state representative Dana Walks, and he is still one of those things, but he is no longer a candidate for governor. <laughs> Just a Really a few minutes before this interview was set to come out, uh, we found out that Dana Walks uh, was ending his campaign and endorsing Tony Evers in the race for governor. I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about the 2018 elections in Wisconsin. And uh, you never know when, when news is going to break and things are going to change. But I had fun talking to Dana Walks about his campaign. We talked about his dog, Artie, uh, best places to go musky fishing, his background, uh, his how he got his start in politics, looking stamps for Hubert Humphrey. And you know what? Uh, this was a fun interview. Um, I appreciate him taking the time to talk with me, and I'm going to put it out there for you folks to listen to. Um, he was one of the first candidates to enter the race for governor this year. So um, take a listen. Uh, caveat being, this was all recorded before He ended his campaign, but I hope you enjoy it anyway. First, we will round up some other news from the week. I would like to welcome back to the podcasting studio, Eric Lawrenson. He's back from vacation. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, fresh off of a vacation. I had a destination wedding to attend in this adorable little old-timey mining community in the middle of the Rockies. And you road tripped, right? A road trip. Yeah, it was great. I had never really been through either Nebraska or Colorado before, so it was a real treat. And now you're back to reality. Back to reality. Yeah. And we have news today. We do. Um, so I, I, yeah, I popped into the studio earlier to grab our one of the recorders that we have here, and you're <laughs> like, "Oh, I'm dealing with breaking news." Ah, and it turned out that one of the candidates in this incredibly crowded Democratic field is out. Yes, we're down to nine nine candidates running for governor as Democrats. Andy Gronick dropped out. Uh, he is a Milwaukee businessman, one of really the first major candidates to get in the race. He dropped out after the results of this week. Marquette poll um, of the Dem voters who will plan to vote in the primary, 4% said that they would support him, which sounds low, but it's actually kind of right in the middle of most of the candidates who are running because no one's really broken apart from the pack with the exception of one candidate. And that's Tony Evers. Yeah, the presumed front runner. And then besides that, it was just this range from 1% to 7% of everyone else. And it seems to me that, like, even within that little range, there's not enough statistical significance there to say, oh, there is a second place candidate. At exactly. This point. Yeah. No one topped 10%. Tony Evers had 25% of support. What's worth noting is uh, Tony Evers, uh, even even being the most known candidate, 61% of voters still don't know enough about him to have an opinion. And that's the most known. So the real takeaway from this poll at this point is a lot of voters really aren't paying attention yet. Same is true to a certain degree in the Senate race where things are a little bit uh, closer just because there are only two candidates running. You know, in, in both races, about 30 percent of voters in the, in the primaries don't know what they're going to do yet. 
Yeah, speaking of the Senate race, it seems that a lot of Republican voters are unsure still about where their preferences lie. But what what did we learn from the poll there? We did learn that Kevin Nicholson is uh, still ahead here. He had an early lead, but it was kind of hard to tell because, again, a lot of voters still aren't paying attention. He's ahead of Leah Vukmir by about five points now. So it's a close race. Um, she got the party's endorsement at their convention. Voters seem pretty uh, pretty close to evenly split in, into three of Vukmir Nicholson or don't know. All right. So we've talked a little bit about the non-incumbent fields in both of these races. Let's talk about the incumbents. How are they doing in this poll? So the interesting thing this year is we have a Democratic incumbent in the Senate and a Republican incumbent in the governor's seat. Governor Walker's approval rating right now is 49 percent. It's the first time he's been above water in a few months. He's been tied or underwater for for several months now. Tammy Baldwin is still underwater. She's at a 41 percent favorability rating, um, just two points under her unfavorable. Um, so the, the interesting thing, I guess, is that they did do some theoretical head-to-head matchups, and each of them led their challengers in these sort of hypotheticals. But again, with the caveat, it's very early, and people are not tuned into this yet. All right, time to kick Eric out of here so we can move on to our interview with Dana Walks. I'm gone. Bye. Representative Dana Walks, tell me why you're running for governor. I'm running for governor because it seems to me that regular folks don't have a voice in Madison. It seems like the powerful, wealthy, special interest groups, are those are the only voices that are heard in Madison. I've spent 32 years in the courtroom fighting for regular folks. Regular folks, the little guy and the little gal against powerful, wealthy corporations and, and individuals. And uh, it seems to me that that's what we need in Madison in the, in the executive branch. You've spent a few years uh, in Madison in, in the legislature. What do you see as the, the things that when you, when you talk about, you know, regular people, regular folks not having their voices heard, what are the things you're hearing about where they're not being represented in Madison? Well, you know, what was amazing to me, Jesse, is that literally the first couple weeks that I was in the legislature, some of the lawyers who, who I'd been fighting against in the courtroom uh, folks that have represented huge corporations, they came trotting in to give testimony on bills that would frustrate the rights of regular folks. Uh, that really was startling to me. And, you know, you always hear that government is, is just for powerful uh, entities. And then when you see it, when you see it up close, uh, it's pretty startling. Just Just as an example, I put together a chronic wasting disease bill about a year, maybe a year and a half ago. I forget the timing. And I thought, now there's something that should be bipartisan. Who in the world is in favor of the spread of chronic wasting disease in the deer herd? So we introduced it, and I couldn't get one single Republican to join that bill. And, you know, and I thought, well, why is that? And then we find out that the deer farmers are donating to the Republican legislature. That's probably why Governor Walker did nothing about chronic wasting disease for the last eight years, because they're bought and paid for by the folks that generally are spreading that disease. Now, just in the last couple of weeks, Governor Walker suddenly, after eight years of nothing, suddenly takes my bill and implements it. You know, that's frustrating. And, and that's, the kind, that's just an example of how this legislature is bought and paid for by, by powerful, wealthy interests. If you are elected governor or if a Democrat is elected governor, you may still have a lot of uh, the Republicans who are in the legislature to work with. How do you think that would, would go, um, given the perceptions that you have right now? Well, I think 
you know, one of the things I've learned in the courtroom over the years is when to have a backbone and when to when to stick your paw out and shake hands with the other side. I've tried a lot of cases over the years, and and it, with one exception, every case I've tried, um, I'm pretty good friends with the folks on the other side, win or lose, uh, because we're professionals and we go in and we're doing what we're we're trained to do, and we're doing it in a professional workmanlike fashion. Now. Back in the early 80s, the last time I was in this place, I worked for a guy named Senator Paul Offner. He was running for Congress at the time. And in those days, if you wanted to see legislation crafted, you would go to the, a, a bar at the Inn on the Park and you could watch the entire legislature sitting side by side, mm-hmm. um, you know, working on legislation. That's because there weren't these powerful entities outside of the building controlling every move that they made. You know, we need to have a sovereign legislature. We need to try to get back to our roots in Wisconsin where we work shoulder to shoulder with both sides. The only way we're going to do that, though, is that if we have a governor who's not afraid to veto, who has a backbone, but can also stick their paw out, shake hands, and and have a congenial relationship with uh, folks on the other side. Now, I get along with a lot of the folks on the other side of the aisle. We don't see eye to eye on on much in terms of policy, but from time to time we do. The first uh, line of attacks from Republicans out the gate when you when you launched your campaign was, he's a trial attorney. Um, how, how do you respond to the things that they threw at you then? And can you just talk a little bit about your career as an attorney and how that's shaped uh, your, your career as a legislator? I have represented regular people who've been terribly injured or wronged by the powerful. Uh, I think there's no better time in the history of this state to have a trial lawyer be the governor than right now because, by gosh, that's what we got to do. We're going to stand up, and I'm not running for my profession. I'm proud of my profession. It's not that we're going to prosecute or persecute the powerful, but we're going to make darn sure regular folks are heard. And you work or, or worked with your wife in, in your law firm, is that right? Yeah, Beverly Wickstrom is one of my uh, law partners. And uh, so we're partners in law and life. That's the way we, we talk about it. Is that fun? I, I would think that's that's a lot of time to spend with one person. You guys must like I, each other a little we, bit. We do. I think we are very close. Well, there's no thinking about it. We're, <laughs> we're very, very close. And and uh, that's one of the hardest things about this campaign is that, you know, I'm all over the state anywhere but in Eau Claire, it seems like. Yeah. But we're, we're very close. And, and, you know, what's funny is we bring our dog, Artie, to the office. We have a great big field trial Labrador, huge. And, uh, and he goes to the office every day. So it's kind of a family affair at that, <laughs> at that office. It's hard not to be in Eau Claire uh, right now. But you know what? This campaign is the biggest case in my life and the biggest case in this state's life. We need to win this. We need to bring uh, regular folks back into this government. So I look at this as, as a huge case, and we're going to make that case, and we're going to win this case. You know, most of the time when I, I have folks on this show, I ask them if they have any pets, but I think everybody who's following your campaign knows about Artie. He's a pretty big part of your life, right? Well, we call him Artie, but he prefers Artemis. And he, fancy. Uh, <laughs> you know, when, if Beverly has to go to court, uh, sometimes she'll put his tie on. He has a tie that goes around <laughs> his collar, and he'll sit all day. And then, and the paralegals know that Beverly's in court today. Um, he's uh, he's quite a character. Um, we, I'm a hunter, and so we've always got a a big field trial lab around our house. And uh, but this one's an unusual dog. He's very very smart and on. Very unusual and personable. Do you find people are responding well to the emails they get from Artie? Well, we're uh, we're actually rolling a t. We've rolled a T-shirt out that has a picture of Artie on it, 
and it and it says Artie goes for walks on it. And uh, <laughs> so he is very popular. But, you know, Beverly and I have very stressful lives, and you can always, with, with something like Artie around, he's, he's always pretty happy and bouncing around, and, and it's... Uh, you know, it's a it's a welcome uh, distraction. But he's also one of the best hunting dogs I've ever had in my life. I really? mean, this guy is really unusually good. He's gifted. But he gets himself into mischief. I mean, the other day, well, about about a year ago, Beverly and I were watching a Packer game on a Sunday night, and I heard the the ice cube machine going in the in the kitchen. Okay. And I turned to Beverly and I thought, I wondered if our youngest son lives in St. Paul. And I said, Is Elliot home? And and Beverly said no, and I went out there, and here the kitchen floor was covered with water, and that dog, there's two paddles on the on the refrigerator door. One is with water for cold water, and the mm-hmm. other one's for ice. Well, I always feed ice cubes to Artie, and he decided to go get his own, put it, stood up me? and pushed on, on the water paddle for oh a long gosh. time, and then he pushed on the ice cube one, and so we had to turn that thing off. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre, though? Too smart for his own good, it sounds like. <laughs> Uh, are you? Are you? If you hunted your whole life, how did you get into that? Why is that's something that sounds really important to you? Well, it is. I, I, my father was a deer hunter and a grouse hunter. Uh, when I was a child, we had, we actually had a rabbit hunting dog too, a beagle. And it's something I've always done. It's it's. I prefer grouse hunting. I do deer hunt as well. But I think my favorite form of of hunting is is grouse because you're in like a partnership with a dog. It's very unique uh, setting. Plus, you get a lot of exercise, and you can see that I need it. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Uh, Tell me about why you decided to first run for local office in Eau Claire and then uh, take that to the the state house in in Madison. Well, I've always been involved. I was one of those kids in in college that kept taking time off from from college to work on campaigns. In fact, I I first got involved in politics when I I was 10, I was minding my own business on a Saturday morning watching cartoons and eating my cereal, and my mother came in. She was a public school teacher and very actively involved politically. And she came in, and she says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm 10. I'm watching my cartoons. <laughs> sure. I'm eating my cereal. And she didn't like that. And she, you know, she, I can still hear those footsteps. She, she stepped around me turned that tv off and said you're going to start licking stamps for hubert humphrey and you're starting this morning and i I was deposited at the democratic party headquarters in eau claire and (laughs) and i was very often uh, dropped off there on saturdays and sundays to to work on things so i before i went to law school i i uh, worked for senator ted kennedy in 1980 i was on his national field staff Um, i uh, ran legislative campaigns for the democratic party and uh, and I, in 1982, a friend of mine was running for Congress, Paul Offner, in the 3rd Congressional District. He was a state senator from La Crosse. Uh, I worked that campaign. We lost. I went to law school. And so I've always been involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been involved as a volunteer. I was involved in the protect the vote effort with uh, lawyers making sure that people weren't uh, playing with the voting process at uh, voting uh, places. Um, so I've been involved my whole life. And I grew up, my father was uh, worked for the city of Eau Claire. He was a city manager uh, and city attorney prior to that. And so I, I literally grew up uh, watching city council. I can still see, I playing with matchbox cars on the, on the floor of the city council chambers, uh, uh, watching uh, those proceedings. So I, I've literally been involved my whole life, mostly as a volunteer. 
And I think that puts me in a unique position. You know, I'm gonna, I know what I'm getting into with this, this governor situation. I really, truly do. And I'm confident that I can make government work again. So say you are elected governor, what would be sort of a a top five list of policy priorities? What's the big to-do list? We're going to make sure this economy isn't rigged. So the first thing we're going to do is make sure that that we have a minimum wage that, uh, you know, is, is, is increased. I'm a strong proponent of the $15 an hour wage. I want to bring back collective bargaining because I think uh, professions like teaching are being decimated by the fact that we don't have it. Uh, plus, it, it's good for our economy to have collective bargaining um, with public workers. And I want to roll back the right-to-work legislation. I want to make darn sure that uh, that's done away with. And I want to make sure that we have prevailing wage. What, what Minnesota's done is they've invested in the middle class. That's what I want to do. Because the middle class is, 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 is what pushes an economy. If the middle class has disposable income, then in that event... Um, we're going to have an economy that works for everybody because it's the middle class that buys the new cars, buys the new houses, uh, things of that nature. And it's a proven thing. In Wisconsin, our middle class is the third fastest shrinking middle class in the United States. We're right behind Louisiana in that category. Now, that that doesn't speak well uh, for us. And so we're going to have an economy that's not rigged. We're going to have a clean environment. I'm going to bring science back to the DNR. We're going to have an unparalleled good education system from kindergarten through university and through technical colleges. Now, we're 50th, by the way, in business startups, Wisconsin. Uh, I think that's abysmal. I think that's because of the attack on unions. I think that's because of the attack on our education system. We're going to flip that around. We've got a very detailed plan to make sure that Wisconsin startups uh, climb back up into the ranks where it should be. Instead of that, Governor Walker stuck $3 billion into this Foxconn outfit. He's investing in one company buried deep within one industry. That makes the whole state of Wisconsin vulnerable to the, to the market ups and downs of Foxconn. You know, A strong economy is a diverse economy. It's an economy that recognizes all 72 counties, not just one on the Illinois border. Our business proposal uh, will do that. We're going to create a venture capital fund. People can invest in Wisconsin's future at their stock brokerage houses. Uh, We're going to refinance student loans for folks from Wisconsin. We're also going to reach out and refinance student loans of people in other states, provided they come back to Wisconsin. We've been losing people. There's been a brain drain in this state. We're going to get those folks home. We want that's, that's our come home to Wisconsin part of our investment plan. All of this is investing in people. It's really simple when you, cut, when you come down to it. We're also going to invest in transportation and expanding broadband. So we want to change the focus from investing in huge corporations and the powerful and the, and the mighty to regular folks because you know what? We got great regular folks in Wisconsin. This is our state. It's time to invest in our people. Can you name anything that you think Scott Walker has done well while in office? How about them Packers? (laughs) Well, 
you know, there's some um, commonality of, uh, be, you know, I'm, I, I'm struggling right now to come up with something in particular, but I mean, there are there are some bills that pass the legislature unanimously and, and he, he signs. I mean, he, uh, but in general, I got to tell you, I just disagree with just about everything this guy's about. You know, he's, he's a nice person when you talk to him. I'm not, I'm not saying he's some kind of a but I just completely respectfully disagree with just about everything he's done. And so I'm, I'm a little hard-pressed off the, off the cuff to come up with uh, uh, something. I care about this state deeply, and these issues are going to be with me for a long time. Us talking about a five-year plan is not helping me. It may be fine for you, but it's not helping me. Now, whether they're from the community, I don't care. Whether they're from space, I don't care. As long as they can provide the best visual experience for Madison. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. These are Cap Times Talks, smart conversations about big topics in Madison. Look for Cap Times Talks on iTunes or anywhere else you find podcasts. Are you ready for the lightning round portion of this? All right. First question is maybe the most important one. Favorite Wisconsin beer? Um, Lazy Monk. Where's that from? It's from Eau Claire. And and I have to be careful there because there's another beer from... uh, uh, from Eau Claire as well, called Gunpowder, but that's that's another really good one. That's um, those are local brands up there. Okay. Uh, is there is there a style particular that they do that you really like? Um, they have uh, really good um, ale type beers that are that are really good. Yeah. And very very uh, excellent. Yeah, the the local breweries. It's pretty oh, much anywhere that, you live, you can just find that a, a local place. A wonderful to, thing yeah. that's happening yeah, here. And there's great. another example. I mean, that's these are regular folks in Wisconsin that are coming up with business ideas. Yeah. What is the best advice that either your parents or another loved one or important person gave to you while you were growing up? I was inundated with my my parents. Very much wanted me to always try to step into the shoes of the people that you're dealing with. You got to understand the world from their perspective too. I think that's an important thing in life. What is the best concert you've attended? Billy Joel. Mm. I think it was like the late 70s, perhaps 1978 at Marquette. Uh, He was was at the PAC and and that was the best concert. But I go to a lot of concerts. Um, Yeah, I mean, Eau Claire, we have many music festivals every year. And uh, Bon Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen them several times. They're really good. Uh, one of my kids is a professional musician, so oh, I, cool. I kind of am kept up to date on, yeah. on this stuff. Uh, Elliot, my youngest, is a professional uh, rock musician. Well, he's a musician of, of everything from jazz to rock. He plays saxophone, and he uh, he also plays bass. He's traveled all over the world, frankly, with his his music. That and, is, uh, yeah. So it kind of keeps me up to date a little bit. Yeah, and, that, uh, that would help. I've seen the Doobie. I've seen all sorts of concerts. Doobie Brothers were real good a few years ago. Surprisingly good, considering, you know. Yeah, it's been some time. It's been a long time, yeah, and yeah. I was stunned. That was at a music festival near Eau Claire. I was just stunned at how well they they play. I mean, these guys are yeah. really really something. Do you remember what your first concert was? My very first concert mm-hmm. was probably me playing the piano. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure it was. I, I. As a child, I was taken to a lot of things uh, by my parents. They were very much into the yeah. sports and the arts, and uh, I can't think of what my first one would have would have been. Sure. So, who has a better mustache, you or Paul Soglin? Well, I do. 
<laughs> mine, mine is ageless. I've had it since high school. <laughs> Paul's a good guy, a friend of mine. But I, uh, sorry, Paul, on this one, I'm I'm all over you. Have you Have you had it since you've had it consistently since you were in high since school? Since high school, really. Yeah. I uh, there was one shaving incident that happened where, for a very short period of time, and this is back in the 80s or 90s, for a very short period of time because of a trimming catastrophe. <laughs> I went without it, but I just. I've had it forever. I don't know how to get rid of it. Some people have said, you should get rid of that because you're running for office. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to get rid of that. <laughs> so. It's become a part of you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, who would you say, uh, and you can name a couple on this, uh, would be political role models for you? Well, I got to tell you, I, I think the world of Senator Ted Kennedy I uh, and I think the world of Hubert Humphrey. I've read a lot about Hubert Humphrey. I actually met him, just shook his hand once as he was passing through Eau Claire. I think he was a, an advocate for regular folks, probably the best one. Although you take a look at Ted Kennedy's speech on the minimum wage, if you Google at his floor speech from the United States Senate, the lion of the Senate really came alive. And he has been an advocate for health insurance and for minimum wage increases. And he, he was a trendsetter in many respects. So I, I'd have to limit it to those two. What is your favorite lake in Wisconsin? The Tiger Cat Flowage. Where it's is that? North uh, northeastern Sawyer County. We have a, a little bit of a cabin on that lake. Mm. And I've been going to the – I learned to fish muskies on that lake when I was, uh, I don't know, seven or eight probably. That's all we fished for, and I still fish muskies on the tiger cat. So we've been there literally almost my whole life. Oh, that's great! Yeah, it's a six lake flowage, so it's got plenty of room, and it's uh, but it's very very pristine. I mean, you can see thirty feet down in the water there, even oh. in September wow. or August. That's it, pretty rare. It's just clean, and that's the way our lakes need to be. This is one of, one of the reasons I'm I'm the environmental activist that I am because once this stuff is is broken. It's nigh impossible to fix it, and so we've got to we've got to cherish our environment and do our best to keep it clean. I know I know you're not home a lot right now. But are right you now. watching any any television shows or anything that you're kind of binging on when you get the chance to? You know, I, I like uh, the science channels a lot, and, and I, of course MSNBC. But I uh, I don't watch a lot of series because it's so unpredictable for me when I'm home when I'm not. Yeah. So I I kind of like. The Discovery Channel and things like that, and, and I've been an amateur astronomer, oh, and cool. uh, and my oldest has pursued that at a different level completely. Wow, it's a variety of careers among your kids. Yeah, the oldest one is a satellite designer, uh, works for a company out west. He makes satellites for DoD and and uh, for, and for NASA. He'll he'll eventually have his PhD in laser physics. Wow, um, and. Uh, and my middle one is a she's an actress and a comedian and a and an improv artist and she's mostly in Albuquerque and Santa Fe but sometimes in LA and she was I'm really proud of this I mean she was the uh, she played uh, Ava Perone in Evita wow for the music th- musical theater of the southwest um she's really really talented and my youngest Elliot is that's Jessica the middle one um Elliot is a professional musician. His main group is a group called Frogleg. They do all their own music, kind of a mix of reggae and rock um, and jazz. It's a They've mm. got their own yeah. thing going. Um, so, you know, when you're a professional musician, you're playing with all sorts of groups. He's got jazz groups he plays with. He's got, you know, just every kind of uh, group. That's how they make their living is by by constantly moving from one group to another. But his main group is, is Frogleg from Minneapolis. He lives in Minneapolis. 
not too far from you. No. That's good. Okay, last one, also very important, favorite Wisconsin cheese. I'm just kind of a, a American-type cheese guy. I go to the stores. There's a place called Nelson Cheese Factory in Eau Claire mm-hmm. that uh, has a has a store. That's where I, I end up. And you know what's kind of funny, uh, Jesse, is I've been buying cheese curds at that place, and I'm sneaking them home because <laughs> – that's Beverly, you know, she's always watching my weight, so I'm <laughs> I'm sneaking these cheese curds home and uh, feeding them to me and Artie. And so Beverly comes home and she's wondering, and she comes, she's like, "Why are you and Artie gaining weight?" And this 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 has been going on and on in the house for a while. And then the, then our literature came out, and I don't know, we probably printed fifteen thousand. I have no idea, many thousands of pieces of literature, and on the literature is the answer to the weight gaining thing because there's a picture of me, Beverly, and Artie. Uh-huh. And the caption in that is, Artie likes cheese curds. And so so I was done. I was betrayed <laughs> by was my up. staff on this. <laughs> they gave away the secret. Oh, no. So she reads that and she says, now I know. Uh-huh. Why? <laughs> so don't tell anybody about the Nelson cheese curds. <laughs> I think the secret's out now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is... <laughs> uh, well, how about them Packers? How about them Packers? <laughs> well, thanks for taking some time to talk. Is there? Do you have any parting words you want to leave people with? Well, you know, I'm in this, and I'm in this to try to help. I think I can help. And if I'm the nominee, I'm going to win. Uh, we're coming from the outer outer parts of Wisconsin. And we've been performing subpar in these elections in those areas. Well... I'm fixing to win this thing. I can, t- you know, I'm from there, and uh, and we're uniting folks, both urban and rural, in this campaign, and and we're going to win it. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxlate. You can find new episodes of Wedge Issues every Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your podcasts. And if you like the show, leave us a rating or a review and tell your friends about it. If you have any suggestions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at jessieopie, J-E-S-S-I-E-O-P-I-E, or you can email me at J-O-P-O-I-E-N at madison.com. And if you like this podcast, check out our other Cap Times offerings like The Corner Table and Mad Splainers. We'll see you here next Friday. Yeah.